and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. My name is Lee Younger. I'm one of the pastors here, and this is a message I gave on Sunday morning, June 19th, 2022, from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 15. I'm going to, uh, we're going to get into Luke chapter 15 in a few minutes, but before we do, I have a couple questions for you. And here's the deal about this. This is not a rhetorical type question, okay? This is a question that I want you to answer like with your face, like with your mouth. Out loud, if you've, if, if you've experienced this, I want everybody in here to know that they're not alone if they also have. Okay, so here comes question number one. Question number one, have you ever wanted something that somebody else had? Yes. Okay, good. That's, that's easy, low level. We've all wanted something that somebody else had. Maybe when you were a little kid, you wanted somebody's toys. When you were in high school, you wanted somebody else's car or somebody else's girlfriend or whatever. And then, you know, now I just want joints that don't hurt after I play wiffle ball for three weeks. Um, we can't always get what we want. So, but we all know that feeling of like, I want something that somebody else has. Okay, here's a layer deeper on that one. Be honest. When you looked at somebody that had that thing that you wanted, did you ever resent them for having it? A little quieter, but still some buy-in there. I started playing uh, football when I was in the third grade. I played football from third grade through 12th grade. On my third grade football team, the best player on the team was a kid named Mike Gibson. Mike Gibson was the fastest. He could jump the highest. He could catch everything. He moved in such a way that no one could ever touch him. He was like jello. He was impossible to tackle. He was amazing. And I remember even as a third grader thinking, if I could be that fast and, the, and you know, that athletic and stuff, then I would be out there playing instead of standing here on the sidelines. And I remember resenting Mike Gibson for that. And I remember in 11th grade resenting him even more when in my athletic conditioning class, Steve Spurrier walked into the room and recruited him for the University of Florida, which is where he played football. I remember one time when Travis was on staff at Young Life in Anderson County, and Anderson County was playing Oak Ridge, and that was when we had T. Higgins, like the T. Higgins that caught two touchdown passes in the Super Bowl. That's right. So like, I remember Travis told me after the game, T had made some amazing play and some guy on Anderson County's team looked at Travis and was like, you know, if I was that tall and could jump that high and could catch that well, I could be like T Higgins. And Travis was like, yeah, you're not. That's the point. <laughs> he is, you're not. I remember when I was in high school, there was this band called Counting Crows and they had come out with this song called A Long December. And to me, it was the most perfect, sad, beautiful pop song I'd ever heard in my life. And I remember thinking, and you know, as something of a songwriter myself, I remember thinking, oh, Adam Duritz, how I hate you for having written that song so perfectly. There's not even any words in the chorus and it was still so perfect. It was just na-na's. And I was like, how did you do it, Adam? I mean, I love you in the Lord and everything, but kind of hate you. You know, it's like, it was that feeling. So, okay, we know how it feels to want something somebody else had, to actually resent that person for having the thing you don't have. Next question. Have you ever been angry about the stupidest thing ever that your anger could not actually fix? Yes. Okay, like low level, like red lights. Doesn't matter how mad you get at them. That doesn't make them turn green. It's like, I'm late, stupid light, turn green. That doesn't do anything about any of it. Okay, last one, and this one goes a little bit deeper, okay? So let's be honest, we're in church. <laughs> All right, here we go. 
Have you ever like really, really walked the line on something and then somebody else that didn't like follow those rules at all, like should have gotten in trouble and they just got off the hook and you just hated them for it? I mean, you loved them in the Lord. You loved them in the Lord, but you kind of hated them for it. Like you followed all the Christian rules. Like when I was growing up, there was a lot of rules about being a Christian. There was certain music you could listen to. There was certain, you know, certain things you couldn't wear, certain shows you couldn't watch on TV, you know, certain card games you couldn't play because they were from the devil or something like that, even though it was just a card game, whatever. Like, like there was all those things. And if you really walked the line and the thing that we were told was if you follow all these things, then your life is going to turn out great and your kids are going to love Jesus and the whole thing. And how many of us are looking like 30 years later like none of that stuff turned out to be true at all and this person that didn't do any of it like his kids love him and he has got a great marriage and what's going on have you ever seen somebody else get off the hook for something that you like tried to keep in line boy you kind of hate that person I mean you love him in the Lord you know but you kind of hate that person here's the deal is I think that for a lot of us when when you really try to walk the line on some stuff for Jesus and then other people don't, and they get away with it, like they get all this grace and stuff. You look at that and you think, but hold on, they should have known better. Have you ever felt that thing? They should have known better, or they should have to pay the fine, or they should at least have to sit in their room and think about what they've done. <laughs> There's a lot of shoulds when you're following the rules. You know, you look around and you feel a lot of shoulds about everybody else. Here's the thing, every, and by the way, if you've been holding on to an amen this morning, I'm going to give you a chance to deploy that bad boy, okay? Just to let it go, all right? So don't be afraid. You're in, you're in a safe place. Every single person who knows Jesus got in for free. Amen. Nice. Not by following any rules, not by impressing anybody, not by walking any line. You just got in. That's the whole thing about grace. Here's the thing, when you look around after you've been trying to follow the rules and everything and people are just getting away with stuff and they just get in the kingdom of God and you think, well, they should have known better and they should have paid the fine. They, they should sit in their room and think about what they've done. There are no shoulds in grace. No shoulds in grace. It's just welfare. And by the way, anybody that doesn't like welfare, you're not going to like the kingdom of God very much. There's a lot of welfare going around. It's just a gift. The word for, that we've translated grace in the or, original language, it's, it's, the, it's the same word, but we get the word charity. And that's what it is. It's just a big fat handout. Like Jesus just gives you everything you need to be a part of this thing. You didn't do anything for it. You're not impressing anybody. You're not proving anything. You just get in for free. That's the whole thing. And when Jesus talked about this, he talked about it a lot. The most beautiful example he ever gave of just the good news of the free grace of the kingdom of God was a story that he told. In Luke chapter 15, he told a story about a guy who had two sons, and one of the sons went to his dad and said, I hate it here, and I hate you. I don't even love you in the Lord. I just hate it here. I want to get out. In fact, here's what I want you to do. Whatever I get in your will when you're dead, I want you to just cash that out and hook me up now. My life would be better if you were dead. And the dad, with a broken heart, cashes out, gives the son all the money, and the Lord said he went to a far country and just blew it all. Just wild living is what it says. Just parties, and all of a sudden he's got a lot of friends because he's just throwing cash all over the place. And just wh wherever your imagination would go, that's what he did. He just went buck wild. And then he ran out of money, and of course, you know, 
When the cash goes away, the friends don't stay. So now he doesn't have any money and he doesn't have any friends and there are no parties anymore. And then there was a famine in that faraway country and now he's really hurt and he can't get a job. He can't find any food. He, finds, he winds up slopping pigs and he can't eat their food because he can't digest it. And he's thinking, I'm going to die here. So he decides, I'm going to go home. Now, my dad may kill me. He may slap me across the face. He may not let me in the house. I don't deserve to be part of the family anymore. I already, I already cashed out my inheritance. I already cashed in on my will. So what I'll do instead is I'll just beg for a job. Maybe he'll let me work in the house. He's got a big old house with lots and lots of rooms and a big old table with lots and lots of food. <laughs> <Don't>, <laughs> you can't tell me to stop. We walked that Christian line. We know these songs. So um, I'll go beg for a job. So he goes back home and he's practicing his speech and everything. But before he gets anywhere near the house, as soon as he's in line of sight of the house, the dad runs off the front porch. Turns, around, turns out the dad has been watching for him every single day, pacing up and down the porch. He's flying down the road. He's screaming, my son, my son. And he's probably thinking, I should maybe go the other way. Like, is he going to kill me here on the road? But no, the dad falls upon him with kisses and hugs and everything. And he, and he just says, OK, strike up the band. Like, kill the fattened calf. We're having a giant party. My son's home. I can't believe it, da, da, da. OK, and, you're, and this is like the greatest like the biggest blockbuster, it's like a 99 on Rotten Tomatoes story that Jesus ever told about the free grace of the kingdom of God. And here's the cool thing. It's not even why Jesus told the story. It's not even the point of the story. It's not why he told it. It's not the point of the story. And it's not even the whole story. It's like act one of a three-act play. If you were to ask Sue Hartman or other English teachers, they would say, this is simply the rising action. Is that the right term, Sue? This is just the rising action. We're not even there yet. This is, that amazing, amazing story is just the rising action because something happens. This is Luke chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 25. Jesus is an awesome storyteller. Check this word. Meanwhile, that whole amazing thing, meanwhile, dun, dun, dun. The older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. Now, I want to push pause here for a second because, um, like, whatever you think this party was, turn it up because he heard dancing. Like, if you can hear dancing, this is not like a nice, dainty waltz, you know? Like, no. If you can hear dancing, they're bumping up in this house. He heard dancing. Dang. Verse 26. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Okay, time out for a second. What I want to do for a few weeks this summer is I want to talk about an amazing phenomenon. It happens quite often in the scripture. It happens a lot in real life, which is one person gets grace, somebody else is mad about it. We sing and talk a lot about amazing grace. 
And for one person, it's amazing grace. For somebody else, it's an angering grace. Why would you get mad that somebody else got hooked up? I don't know. I know this. I know I've been mad when somebody else has gotten hooked up before. I know I'm in a room full of people who gladly said, yeah, sometimes I want what other people have. And yeah, sometimes I resent them for it. And yeah, somebody gets off the hook and sometimes I tried to walk the line and I don't feel so great about that either. We know how this feels, right? Okay, so this older brother becomes angry and refuses to go into the house. He's sullen, he's sulky, he's mad. And what is he mad about? You didn't punish him and you threw him a party. Well, we're going to deal with what he was right about and what he was wrong about that in a second. But I want to say this. I think that whenever we get mad that somebody else got hooked up, this is where so much of our like, criticism of people comes from. This is where so much of our jealousy of, for people comes from. This is where so much of our comparison turns sour and toxic and poisonous in our own heart. Is we look at somebody else's life and we say, they have something and I wanted it. And I'm mad that I don't have it. And maybe that's they had the job that I wanted or they got the promotion that I wanted. And y'all feel free to chime in anytime some of this resonates. Yes. But they have, they just seem to have the family I wanted. They have the marriage I wanted. They have the kids I wanted or the grandkids I wanted. They, they have the money and the cars that I wanted. We look around at what other people have and we think they've got something in their life and I wanted that. And by the way, I think I deserve it. And so I'm mad at them for being hooked up. I'm mad at them for having something good. Their good is making me angry. That's where this son was. And I was looking at this and knowing that I have felt that a lot in my life. So I don't want to say anything about you because maybe you've never felt this at all. I'm just going to talk about me for a second. The, as I've thought about this all week, the thing that I've realized in myself is when I feel angry that somebody else got hooked up, it's for one very simple reason. I don't know how to be happy. I don't know how to be happy. I think that there's something that would make my life happier. I think that if I had that thing, and you just fill in the blank with whatever you want right there, that that would make me happy. If our family was going this way, if we had this money and this security, if we had this house or this whatever the situation, whatever the thing is that you can think, if I had that, then I would be happy. That means I don't know how to be happy. That's the heartbeat of this thing. I don't know how to, in an empty, quiet room, be happy. Okay, so let's look at what this brother thought he knew and what he did know. He was mad and refused to go into the party because you didn't punish him and you threw him a big old party and you don't throw me parties. That's what he was mad about. I would be happy if I had a party with my friends. I don't even need the fattened calf. I just want a young goat, you know, I guess for shawarma. I don't really know. Like that really turns up the parties. I don't really know. Okay, let's look at what he was right about. He was right about this. The dad did not punish the runaway that came home. So right about that. He got no punishment. He was just so happy to see him. Just kisses and hugs and my son is back and we're putting it on Instagram, his live stories, the whole thing, like he's back. He was so happy to see him, zero punishment. He was right about that. 
But the second thing, you threw him a big old party. Actually, he was wrong about that. That was a giant misunderstanding. Here's what I mean. The party was for the dad. The guest of honor at this party was the dad. He threw himself that party. That runaway boy, he was done with parties. If you'd asked him, he'd be like, I'm really kind of partied out. I got a friend, I won't, I won't name, you know, name names outside of school, but he ate so many chicken wings in college, he can't eat a chicken wing anymore. That apparently can't happen to a human being. I personally have never hit that threshold, but it can happen. The runaway was like, I'm done with parties, y'all. I have done enough partying. The party wasn't for the runaway. The only thing that boy wanted was he wanted a permanent address with his dad. That's all he wanted. And here's the deal with this. The gift of Jesus is Jesus, period. That's it. That's all you need. That's the whole thing. We don't need anything else. The gift of Jesus is Jesus. The thing that's going to make heaven heaven is Jesus is there. That's the whole thing. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what's on the streets, what, what you're being fed. All of it's going to be great. I'm sure there's pancakes and mac and cheese, like really, really good ones. But the whole thing is Jesus is there. The gift, the gift of the gospel is you have a reconciled relationship with the kindest, sweetest heart in the universe. And you have him. You have him whenever you want him. You can just turn your attention to him and he wags his tail like a dog. He's like, hi, I'm so glad to see you. He loves you. He wants to hang out with you all day. You have him, amen? That's the gift of the gospel. The party was for the dad. Heaven throws a party when you come home. That's it. Heaven throws a party. Every time some sinner comes home, heaven throws a party. So I said earlier, you know, Jesus told this story about this runaway boy. He comes home and it's the greatest version of the gospel. And then I said, you know, that's not even why he told that story. You know what? You don't want to know why he told it. Like if we look at the very first uh, verse of Luke chapter 15, we're going back in time now. Now, the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the guys that had been walking that line and following the rules their whole life, muttered. That's a great word. They muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. For those of you all know, it's, it's, like, it's like that character creature in, uh, in Harry Potter, book five. It's always muttering under his breath, just always so filthy. You know, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told him this story. The reason Jesus told the story is they were saying, hey, man, we've been walking the line the whole, the, our whole life. Why are you hanging out with sinners? And Jesus is like, hey, um, time out. Sinners is all we have. That includes y'all. My question is, why don't y'all want to hang out with us? Because that's all we have. That's all we have here. The whole gift is Jesus. All you need, all I need. I don't need a promotion. I don't need more money. I don't need my kids to be lined out in a certain way. You don't need more sex, more cars, more whatever you need. All you need to be happy in yourself, to know who you are, is Jesus. Now, I will say, you do need, you know, like shoes and a toothbrush and healthcare. I'm not saying, like, you don't need ibuprofen. I need ibuprofen. Like, I'm not saying... All you need is Jesus in the sense that you can just like float through life. You know, like I'm not saying like that. OK, what I'm saying is you need stuff while you are living in the tent of this body. But to know who you are, to know what makes you valuable and to have a sense of well-being and happiness, all you need is what you already have.
What the dad said to this older son was, he said, hey, um, I had to make myself happy. That's why he threw the party. That's why the guest of honor was the dad. The way this is written, he said, I had to cheer myself up. My baby boy came home. Would you come home? Like, he said, everything I have is yours, and you always have me. So, like, would you come home? Okay, so I said, the, the first story about the boy coming home, that was, act, that was the rising action, right, Sue? That was act one. Act two was this older brother, you know, throwing a temper tantrum and the dad going out to plead with him. And you're like, we finished Luke 15. That's the whole story. How can there be an act three? This is the coolest part of this. This story is a cliffhanger. Jesus doesn't finish the story. He doesn't say, and the older brother did not come in. End of story. Fiend. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, and the older brother got over himself and went into the party and broke it down. He doesn't say that either. He just leaves it hanging out there. It's a hanging Chad. Is that too old? That's too old. He just leaves it hanging out there. And the question is, and this is brilliant storytelling. Jesus is saying to those guys, hey, what are you mad about? What's got you so angry? And here's my question for me. I point this, I, I'm pointing my finger at me and I'm pointing at you too. Okay, let's just do that together. What are you angry about? And whatever it is, is it something that you think, if I had that and not them, by the way, then I would be happy. And I don't understand why they got hooked up and I didn't. I don't understand why their kids are like this or their marriage is like this or their house is like this or their, or their money is like this or their cars don't break down. All the, whatever it is, whatever the thing is, why are you angry? Why am I angry? The next time I'm angry, this is my goal, okay? This is my little ending point. The next time I'm angry, the thing that I want to do is I want to stop and think about this older brother and think about Jesus' story and ask myself, can I be happy in an empty, quiet room just having Jesus? Because he's the gift. He's the whole thing. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for our precious friends from Singapore who we love. We're so grateful to have met. We're grateful to welcome Travis and Sid back and to lift up their ministry to you. I'm praying over us that we would have the courage to look at ourselves and ask ourselves, what am I angry about? And is it because I somehow believe that there's something that if I had it, that I would be happier? And that the fact that somebody else has it and I don't makes me unhappy and resentful of them? Would you help us, Lord, in the kindest way? Would you help us to get over ourselves a little bit this week? And would you help us to recognize and start to lean into the beautiful simplicity of the fact that you are the whole gift? And we already have you. Thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. In the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. Give me
Christ, and to die is gain. And to die is gain. And when I am alone, oh, when I am alone, oh, when I am alone, give me Jesus. I want to know Christ. Give me surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and when I am afraid oh when I am afraid oh when I am afraid give me Jesus I give me Now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And when I come to die, oh, when I come to die, oh, when I come to die, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus, give me Jesus, you can have all this world, you can have all this world, you can have all this world, give me Jesus. But whatever was to my prophet, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord.